Hello and welcome to Everything Interesting Under the Sun. I'm your host, Ethan Clark. Today, we have the spirited Spencer Muse joining us. Spencer is a student at Palmer College of Chiropractic in San Jose, California. He has his own podcast that is aptly named the Spencer Muse Podcast, which I will link in the show description. Most importantly, he is a fellow Canadian. Spencer and I are both from Halifax, Nova Scotia, and we grew up about 10 minutes apart from each other in Kingswood, otherwise known as the K-Wood Hood. In any case, let's get into it. Here is my conversation with Spencer. What's up, Spencer? How have you been, man? Good, Ethan. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Can you tell me a little bit about what got you into chiropractic medicine? So basically what got me into chiropractic medicine was I did my undergrad um, in kinesiology at Dalhousie University in Nova Scotia. And... I was always interested in the clinical aspect of rehabilitation and I've been around it basically my whole life with either my injuries, my family's injuries, my brothers. Um, and we would always go to PT, like physio, mm-hmm. physical therapy, what they call it in the States, physiotherapy in Canada. Um, so and I had a great physiotherapist growing up. So he kind of put me on the scene of the whole clinical thing. And then when I went through school, I there's pros and cons to both, obviously, but I sided more with the chiropractor thing. And yeah, just seeing how you can basically almost change, basically change a person's life through seeing them maybe like, you know, a few times a week for blah, blah, blah six weeks, blah, blah, you know, as just as just as an example, uh, really kind of drove me into the profession. Would you say you are more interested in Eastern medicine as a whole or just chiropractic medicine? Um, now, I like science. I'll always basically side with science and evidence. So I'll say Western right now, but there's definitely room and Eastern medicine is great in specific situations. Um, it, it's really patient dependent, I feel like, um, and depending on their condition, age, health status, everything. So, uh, having all the tools, um, in your tool bag is great, but overusing, you know, Eastern medicine or whatever is not so good. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So are you like, are you well-versed in Eastern medicine as in like acupuncture? I'm assuming cryotherapy is under that umbrella and stuff of that nature. Yeah. Kind of like, you could call it like alternative medicine or something like that, but Um, yeah, I'm, I know more about it than the average person for sure. We have, I haven't, I don't have anything under my name, you know, Mm. acupuncturists or whatever. There is definitely room for it. And, um, there's definitely clinical cases where you should use say acupuncture over a chiropractic adjustment for sure. Um, but no, I'm still young in school. I don't know necessarily when to do that, you know. Do you know the science behind acupuncture? Because I always thought it was a very interesting thing. I've never myself done it, but I've always been interested in doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's very surface level. So um, you may have had dry needling before is where they stick like a big, long, uh, maybe it's like a few centimeters long needle into the belt usually a trigger point sometimes usually the belly of a muscle um which this is totally different from acupuncture mm-hmm. and it will basically cause that muscle to like tense up and release right like 
tell it to kind of chill out. But acupuncture is very surface level. You're barely going into the skin. Um, I've seen it done on people's faces, on basically any area of the body that has skin. So it's basically a fascial release. So not really muscly, but more fascia and skin. So another thing, which is kind of sort of fascial release base you could relate it to is cupping. So cupping is uh, the same thing like the red, uh, you know, the red uh, circles that you get from cupping if you've ever had it done is meant to yes, draw blood to the muscle, but it helps stretch out fascia more. So think of like a tight ball of fascia, your IT band, your iliotibial band is a great spot to cup, great spot to acupuncture. It's not muscle. It's fat. It's like it's tense band of fascia that can get really naughty and restrict movement. So those areas you'd want to acupuncture, cup, roll out, stuff like that. What is fascia? I've never heard of that before. Um, like skin. Okay. Yeah. Is the is the goal of this all just like to release stress, or is it to like do something else? Um, well. I look at it very movement based. So, I mean, your iliotibial band, your IT band comes from your hip to your knee. And when it's tight, it can cause pain. Say you're a runner, you, you, they often get tight, uh, IT bands. So it can cause pain, almost bring that knee out externally, cause some, uh, abnormal gait, which is running or walking. Um, and basically you're basically cause your body to be less efficient moving. Um, so yeah, my vision as a chiropractor is to get patients in my door and then get them out in the most efficient way as themselves as possible. So with little restrictions, many people have restrictions, like moving, you probably do. I mean, you don't, you probably won't even know it, but to make, it makes living and moving and walking and doing those activities of daily living so much easier when your body's in a state of relaxation, basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the point of it is to, um, relax the, the tissue can get really tight if you were to never stretch it okay and muscle is the same way as we know so yeah you need to uh, make sure your body is fluid and pliable yeah is there anything you could or i could do myself at home to help relieve this tension in my body uh it's what kind of tension do you have i'm just tension in general i guess from lack of stretching from exercise Well, simple things I like to start off at is a foam roller. A lot of people have the same problems, right? We sit too much. Um, So our knees are always flexed and our hips are flexed. So everyone has tight hip flexors, right? So what I like to do is get a lacrosse ball and either lay uh, prone, basically with it, kind of in that hip flexor region, just below the pelvis area and kind of roll out the muscle. And you could do it either standing up on a wall as well, where you should actively try to contract those hip flexor muscles, actively try and flex the muscle um, and roll it out at the same time. So like take it down the whole leg or Uh, to the knee and try to flex that hip you will and it will be sore and it's like rolling over a tight I don't know like a tight band and it's gonna hurt but um, that I would recommend to almost everyone in our population so a goal of mine is to remain functional into my later years do Mm -hmm. you think things that you've just mentioned will like contribute to that or is it more so just 
taking precautionary measures in terms of like dieting and exercise as a whole? Well, I think diet is definitely the most important thing. It's probably out of the whole health, 50, 60% of it is diet. Um, but being able to move through all your ranges of motion, basically, as if you were a kid is something that is beneficial. So if you're not moving, if you're not internally, externally rotating your hips and you fall on with your hip, uh, internally rotated, you're going to cause some damage. But if you ever so often get yourself into that really, really internally rotated hip, then odds are you're probably not going to get injured or as injured as if you were. You see it all the time in um, uh, field athletes, basketball athletes with ACLs now, especially with training so much. People overtrain way too much, and especially when they're young and still growing. They basically... And they don't train the right muscles. Like train, train smart is my best advice too. You don't need to just get massive pecs, massive quads, like the inside of your quads. Look at the outside of your quads. Look at your hip muscles um, and look at the ones that will best stabilize you like in a either just standing up tall, sitting, or you know, positions that you will be in basically throughout your life. You mentioned a little bit about internal and external rotations of the hip. Yeah. What do you mean by that? So if you're sitting down right now and your knees flexed and you basically just put your hip, like try and roll your knee over with your hip flexed and your knee flexed, like as far as it can, you know, the pigeon stretch, no, no, I don't. Okay. Um, yeah, so basically, like, roll your knee over as far as you can outside, and then internal rotation, which I suck at, a lot of people suck at. Roll your knee inside. So your hip joint is like ball and socket, just like your shoulder, which means it has, like, the most movement out of any joint, right? It can rotate. It can, like, circumduct is what we call it. It can spin against that socket. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people's hips have trouble spinning, right? It's more, people more so look at just like a sat, which is kind of like a saddle joint, which is just flexion extension. So, uh, running would be kind of that example, but like a, a defensive slide would be example of like, um, a different movement for the hip, um, like, yeah, basically you want to take your, I think you want to take joints through as much movement as possible, you know? Mm -hmm. What is your opinion on hip abduction and hip adduction movements? Cause I know I've been, I heard over time that, or heard previously that this is a very important exercise, but when I go to the gym, I only, I don't really see many people doing that. It's mainly just the, the females that want to get a, a bigger butt or like, it's, I don't really see many different people do it. Yeah, totally. I, I love it. I think that, uh, a lot of people have, um, weak adductors, especially, um, if you have good adductors of your upper thigh, your knee won't go into much, um, or sorry, abductors of your upper thigh, your knee won't go into much valgosity is what we call it. So that internal rotation, um, where you see a lot of ACL, MCL, medial meniscus problems happen. Um, basically, when imagine you're playing football and your knee is planted and a 
defender comes and takes you out right at that knee from outside in, mm-hmm. that position is where it's most vulnerable. And to get that position better, stronger, um, to cause your body to go into that position less, you want to have strong abductors, so the outside of your of your thigh. Um, and yeah, abductors help as well. A lot of people are just too tight with flexion, so their quads are too tight. Um, hamstrings are usually too loose because they sit. So think about if you sit, your hamstrings are constantly stretching, constantly. So therefore, yeah, not as, not usually as strong as the quad. Um, and some differences, okay, but yes, big, big, big fan of the abductors, adductor exercises for sure. So I myself, I'm like mainly sitting at my desk for a large chunk of the day. Would you yeah. suggest I substitute a chair for a medicine ball or to instead get a standing desk? Uh, I would do a little bit of both. Obviously, it would be, it's a tough transition out of. Um, I sit and stand for classes and I think it's best to do that. But a medicine ball is great for core stabilization. Um, it's good. You're still in that sitting posture, which is fine to be in for, you know, not, not eight hours a day straight because mm. not just your hip flexors get tight, but, uh, you have these muscles called QLs or quadratus lumborum. Those get really tight and they are the cause of basically back pain of low back pain. Uh, one of the causes, but I would suggest, yeah, medicine ball and standing desk and make sure the standing desk is high. So like your elbows want to be rested on or can be rested typing you don't want your shoulders elevated too much or that'll just cause tight like upper traps. So you want it rested and you don't want your neck looking down. Um, just keep your neck level at a screen and the keyboard should be under it. But yeah, that's that's ideal posture. And you will notice changes physiologically ASAP. Are you conscious of your posture at all times throughout the day? Not definitely not at all times, but I'm definitely conscious. Yeah. Yeah. You should be. It's it's uh it's very, very important. Would you say you're able to sit in a chair with your like in perfect posture with your back straight up? Because I always catch myself slouched over. And when I try to counteract that, it just seems very forced. And it seems like I can't maintain that for extended periods of time. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I would go, if I were you, I'd switch to the medicine ball first. Because think of a normal chair. Everyone sits back in the chair. You lean back in the chair. Yeah, it's comfy. I get it. (laughs) You're supposed to sit at the very end of a chair, right? With Obviously, the first thing to go is people's core is they sl- that's what slouches, right? A medicine ball, you will not be able to do that and stay on. That's the reason for the kind of core bracing thing of the medicine ball. I think I'll definitely get a medicine ball now that you mentioned all this because I do sit in my chair for extended periods amount of time and, and it's definitely not good for my health. Or stand. Would- oh, so I- yeah. yeah. I, I definitely want to get a standing desk, but in this moment, there's just not really room in my apartment for that. But in the future, that's the plan. What yeah, would you I, say? All right, sorry, I, go ahead. Just I uh, re- was reading a study not too long ago that said when you sit, like in a, I think it was just in a regular chair, for more than half an hour, I believe, you lose activation of your glute med, so like the outside of your butt, basically which is a lot of people's weakness. You see the same thing, girls at the gym doing those like um, abductor glute meat exercises. So you lose activation of that. And that's a very um, postural muscle where it keeps your hips in line and less internally rotated. Um, But yeah, that was the kind of results of the study. What would you say the most important exercises to remain functional in your later years? If you could only choose one. Hmm. Good question. (sighs) 
Um, probably a deep, deep, deep lunge, I would say. Probably, yeah. Just because um, I would definitely pick something lower body. Um, people lose their ability to, like I said, move through all their ranges of motion. So if they ever get in that spot, forcefully quickly you know they fall they get in a deep lunge lunge they'll pull their groin tear their knee up tear their foot up tear their hip up tear their back up so kind of a deep lunge where your knee goes over your toe or as much as possible um as as much knee flexion as possible so like your calf towards your hamstring as possible um, actively too. Um, do you know who the knees over toes guy is? No. Oh, you need to, you need to look this guy up on Instagram. He is awesome. So he just basically, his name, I think is Ben Patrick, but he, I would recommend him to basically everyone that has had knee problems or has knee problems. Not even just knee problems, foot problems, hip problems, anything. Basically, the concept is, you know how we, when we were young, we were taught to lunge and never get your knee over your toe. Never squat with your knee over your toe, ever. It's horrible. That is garbage. That is old science. Um, to get yourself into a deep, deep, you know what I mean by yogi squat? Mm -hmm. That is great for your body. Great. It gets deep knee flexion. It stretches out those QL, quadratus lumborum muscles in your back. You will feel great. Your back will not, will, it will, your back will love you if you do a deep yogi squat, some deep uh, knees over toes lunges. And, but yeah, the, I think those two, those two exercises are fantastic, especially for the lower body. It's funny that you brought up the knees over the toes because I was actually going to ask you about that afterwards. I okay. do remember being told when I was younger that you should never have your knees over your toes when you're squatting or lunging or anything because that will mess up your knees. But then one time, one one-off time, like a couple of years ago, I, I heard very briefly that it's much better to have your knees over your toes. So I, like, I wanted to ask you, what like what is the science behind that if you're if you were familiar with it? Um, I'm not too, too, too familiar, but in basically, if you were to just squat and keep your knee above your ankle, right? Keep that kind of 90 degree bend in your, in your knee or lower leg. Um, it doesn't, act like your hamstrings are doing basically the work your quad doesn't get the full stretch as if you were to go into um the full knee over toes lunge and a lot of things related to that movement is what's called eccentric movements. So we know the con, con the opposite of that is the concentric movement, which is the bicep curl, right? It's the active contraction, um, the shortening of the muscle, basically. So what it does, these eccentric movements, the opposite. So if you were to slow down a bicep curl, like you're up at the top of a bicep curl and you're coming down very slowly. It, studies show that that kind of training, eccentric muscle training, gives you stronger tendons, muscle tendons, so like the ends of muscles. Um, and it's great for you. So basically what the knees over toes stuff is, is eccentric movements, end range eccentric movements for quads and hamstrings that that constantly cause knee problems in people 
Yeah, it definitely seems that lower body problems are like the bulk of things that make people less functional as they grow older. Yeah, especially as you get older, you want to maintain like the big, the important movements, like your spine should be looking good. Your knees, hips, feet should move well. A lot of things, a lot of people's feet don't move well. And last thing is probably shoulders. Well, to take a step back now, yeah. you mentioned a little bit about dieting and nutrition. What is there a certain diet that you follow, like paleo, uh, caveman, keto, or are you just eating whatever you choose to? I like I like paleo and keto a little bit, like a little bit of both. Um, I did do a keto stint in the summer. A gr- past summer great way to lose weight it's very intense it's it wasn't permanent for me it's just too low carbs but i would recommend that people eat real foods like that so paleo that would be my recommendation to everyone um i know everyone's gonna have like you know the bag of candy i'm guilty of it too every now and then it's fun that's fine but for the majority a lot of people don't eat well or don't eat right at all, but the majority I would say is just eat real food. You can get, you know, real sugar from from fruit that tastes amazing, and it is a thousand percent better than um, added sugar. So I would say, yeah, one diet recommendation would be watch the heavy, heavy carbs, especially in the morning or late at night. And same thing with sugars. Watch added sugar for sure. Yeah, I started eating paleo and or not paleo, uh, whole foods, I guess. Uh, are, they, are they similar paleo and whole food? I don't know the different I, I, distinctions. Yeah, I don't really know whole food. I'm sure it's basically the same. Okay, well, what I'm just paleo and like not eating processed foods. Ever since yeah. I began doing that, like going back to say, um, like extremely processed food, candy, whatever, like mm. I see that and I'm just so turned off by that i i can't imagine eating it anymore so definitely over time it just becomes disgusting to me and i'm sure that happens to everybody else Mm -hmm. yeah people can change really quick just trick yourself into thinking like just instead of eating the bag of candy like have dark chocolate with like a little less sugar and then a few weeks later get the same bar but 90 percent cocoa or whatever you know it just you can like trick your body into thinking like that a a cheat meal is like you know it's it's not that bad for you it's not like you had two mcdonald's burgers and a shake you know Mm -hmm. it's like you had oh i had one and a half chocolate bars with like only 10 grams of added sugar the whole in the whole thing you know it's way better for you way better that's funny, like chocolate bars, that is one thing. I, I recently began getting into dark chocolate. Yeah. And growing up, I've always found dark chocolate to be disgusting. But now, like, ever since I became conscious of nutrition facts and sugar and added sugar and all this, I began getting heavily into dark chocolate. And as I've, that became a routine to eat dark chocolate, going back to the milk chocolate or the white chocolate, that just seems so unnecessary and so like overdone to me. Yeah, totally. I'm a big dark chocolate guy. It's, it's, there's got some, some real good health benefits to dark chocolate. Um, are you familiar with like antioxidants? Mm-hmm. You know that, you know, like the whole theory behind people say, yeah, have antioxidants. I don't know like the reasoning why I just know that antioxidants are something you should are try good. to maximize. Yeah. So I'll give you some science behind it is that foods high in antioxidants, blueberries, I think blackberries, red wine, dark chocolate, I believe your body, this is just, this is a theory produces um, these things called free radicals. And there is a theory on aging where it's basically an accumulation of free radicals over time. Your body can't process all these 
all these free radicals. So you age, basically. Um, now, this is just a theory, but antioxidants are shown to decrease free radical count in body. I believe like the chemistry pairs well and it matches or gives it any anyways. Yeah. So antioxidants are good. Don't overdo it, obviously, but they're shown to they have they may have some health benefits in decreasing aging the aging process so yeah i went on a binge of learning all about increasing lifespan and increasing health span and one mm -hmm. of the things that was frequently mentioned was free radicals mm -hmm. i never really did any research onto it so i do not know anything about them do you mind sharing a little bit just to get me in the in the know here um well a free radical is a compound basically um, that I think it loses electrons. Um, yeah, so they're, I think they're just unstable, like that unstable atoms or something like that, that can damage cells, um, cause illness kind of thing, like in age people. Right. Um, so if like the atom isn't full, like it can't, it can't, it has to bond, I guess, with another atom and then use the electrons from that atom to like complete itself, like be balanced basically. So free radicals are ones without them without the extra electron and antioxidants can um, give like give donate an electron to the free radical with the unpaired electron and basically like balance it out that's the kind of simple way it's like that unpaired electron of the free radical is the is the problem and antioxidants have a lot of electrons um, and they're able to donate them to these free radicals for a dumbed down just for the way I, like so i can understand it better yeah do free radicals essentially just go around stealing electrons from the other atoms that have an uh an abundant amount and like that causes problems um yes i believe so i'm not 100 percent sure but yeah, it basically causes uh, stress on your body. Like on a cellular level. And over time, it's a lot of stress where it kind of like takes electrons from, like you said, kind of other cells or causes damage to cells, which can lead to like normal aging or accelerated aging or whatever the case may be are you a fan like are you interested in increasing health span lifespan i'm assuming the answer is yes given yeah for sure what we were just mentioning do yeah. you do any active or do you take any active measures to increase this um i think i'm somewhat big into fasting i think it's a very good tool that you can use to put good stress on your body there's bad stress and good stress on your body working out working out correctly is good stress on your body and your body improves due to you know that stress same with fasting it's the same concept it's it's i don't you know why do you necessarily need to eat breakfast lunch and dinner you know, mm -hmm. just because we're raised in, you know, Western world where that's quote unquote normal. That's, you know, I don't know. I don't think that that's true, right? It's, it's eating to fuel yourself to recover. And, you know, that's it. It's not eating because it's because it's 8am and, it, you know, I'm not even hungry. If you've never experienced fasting, I would recommend probably do about, you know, 
12 hours, then go to 14 hours, then do 16 hours. And 16 is a really, that's a, if you can do 16 hours without food, but eat all your calories and you will eat all your nutrients and calories in the eight hours. So I don't know about you, if you have any experience with it. Yeah, it's funny. I, like I mentioned a little bit about my deep dive into health span and lifespan. Yeah. From this, it seems that like a fasting is just a, a panacea for everything. It's a, a, like a one solution to cure many different things. I've been really in, interested in fasting recently. I began doing one meal a day. And mm -hmm. honestly, I was doing a 24 hour fast for a while. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I wasn't doing it the smartest. I would do one meal a day and I wouldn't eat all the calories that is required. So for like the first one, two months, I lost about five to 10 pounds. And I realized that I needed to be more, put more effort into it and be more conscious of it. Mm -hmm. How was, I mean, it is tough to eat uh, to eat all your calories in one kind of one sitting. But yeah. it's good to be at that point where you're hungry and you don't necessarily eat right away, you know? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of research showing that your gut, your gut uh, microbiota or your basically gut health um, can be... Uh, it's, it's very beneficial for your gut, your small intestine, large intestine stuff where kind of most digestive happen, digestion happens is fasting is cleaning out that, that thing is saying, hold up, take a break. You know what I mean? Kind of where's the food? We don't, you know, finally empty the gut. So I think a lot of people can benefit from fasting, but definitely if you're new, ease your way into it. Ease your way. But I, like when I was doing the 24-hour fast, one meal a day, the window when I would be eating was like an hour and a half of me just constantly stuffing food down my mouth. It was very intense and it was pretty difficult to eat the correct amount of calories that I needed. But I will make adjustments in future and I will not lose 10 pounds the next time I try all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, I would recommend the easiest meal to skip is breakfast. And if you are hungry, what I often do is I have almonds or nuts or something high in fat because fat, healthy fat, avocados, um, nuts, blah, 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 still keeps your body in that state of ketosis and fat gives you – gives. Carbs give you energy very quick and short bursts, but fat prolongs um, energy expenditure. Like it's a slower burn almost, if you can uh, think about it that way. Whereas, you know, carbs are quick, fast energy spikes. So if you if you do want to get into it, skip breakfast and have like a few handfuls of almonds and you know, other assorted nuts or whatever, but, um, and it's, you, you will, you won't be hungry if you just eat that and you'll be still kind of in that fasted quote unquote state. Skipping breakfast in the beginning just seems so insane, but after mm -hmm. a while, like I have no interest in eating breakfast anymore. I wake up, I'm not hungry for like the first eight or so hours. You can definitely trick your body or convince your body that you don't need it because my rationale here is if you think about it with primal like the primal times and cavemen they weren't going around eating breakfast lunch dinner no they were catching one meal of the, or one gigantic meal and rationing that throughout the day and or not throughout the day but rationing that to their family at specific times they don't stop every so every four or so hours to eat a, a little food here and a little food there like that's not how we were evolved yeah you're right um you're yeah you're totally right and to to think that way is good it's good sometimes you know it's 
it's not I don't need to eat every three hours and I don't need the worst thing is eating late 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 at night with your body just going to sleep there's nowhere to put there's nowhere to expend those calories right it's calories in calories out but when there's no energy expenditure you know your muscles aren't fatigued or sore or need nutrients from post-workout or whatever then they'll you know they'll go to places that you don't want them to go <laughs> so yeah yeah i think from my or from my own knowledge journey eating and then going to sleep right away is so bad for you especially for uh what gastroesophageal reflux disease or GERD that mm-hmm. is so bad and this is something that people do not ever think about like that is probably one of the worst things you could do is just eat a meal and then or eat a big meal and then go to bed because yeah. like as you mentioned your body is it's not really going it's not using this it's not digesting it properly so it's definitely going to cause more problems than the reward it gives yeah well talking about GERD or heartburn basically um acid reflex whatever a lot of it is yeah going to bed and think about it you're you're lying down where's the stomach contents going to go you know it's not like you're standing up and you have gravity pulling the you know stomach contents down keeping them down right but if you lay down it's more likely to come back up into you're right esophagus esophagus it's kind of crazy to think about just the the way health is taught in the school for instance one of the thing that i'm like the thing that i'm meaning by this is fat like when you eat fat that is not what is contributing to you being fat like it is not the fat you intake is not causing you to be fat the same mm-hmm. thing i recently learned with cholesterol the mm-hmm. like i think it's 20% of the cholesterol you intake is being used for your body's cholesterol and the rest of the 80% is just cholesterol that's being recycled through your body so the idea of bad cholesterol within your food is kind of a false thing i are you do you know who peter atia is He's i a, don't know He's a MD. I I don't know. I think he's in California, actually. He's actually a Canadian as well. Oh, there we go. (laughs) He's really into uh, health span, lifespan, all of this. And he has a cool blog you should check out. I'm a big fan of him. I've learned a lot specifically uh, about health span and lifespan. And he wrote this article about like uh, multiple articles about cholesterol. And I was just binging that the other day. And one of the things that he mentioned in these articles is that Canada actually removed the notice of cholesterol on food or on nutrition labels because this cholesterol or the the quantifying of cholesterol in your food is not beneficial in any way because it kind of gives people the, the false idea that you should be worrying about the cholesterol that you're intaking. Granted, it's not something you just you shouldn't consider at all like it has uh, some effect on your body but this is not like you, the cholesterol you're eating is not contributing to the bad cholesterol you have yeah i don't know too much in the cholesterol field i just know there's cholesterol is good your body naturally produces it overdoing anything that your body naturally produces is bad but to overdo cholesterol for for a lot of people is a lot a lot right especially young people like us it you could have a lot of cholesterol and break it down great but you need to have i don't know what um this doctor said but if he mentioned any did he mention any like ldl hdl cholesterol Mm -hmm. did he yeah did he say that ldl is bad generally he said that's the like that's how people view it. Like the normal physicians, they view it as LDL is bad, HDL mm-hmm. is good, but mm-hmm. it's not all black and white like that. There's much more that goes into it. And I genuinely learned a lot from these posts about cholesterol and I would recommend anybody and everybody to look into them. Cool. Cool. What was it again? It was 
the like his name or what do you mean what was it yeah the article so his name is peter atia his website is peteratiamd.com and the articles are titled the straight dope on cholesterol there's 10 in the series and it goes very in depth on the science behind it after doing this i became i'm still really interested in health and biology and all this one of the things i was thinking about yesterday though is the steep learning curve of biology and health in my opinion is just based on the fact that there are so many damn acronyms in biology and health oh yeah <laughs> like ldl hdl um I can't name all anymore anymore yeah. off the top of my head, but there's another kind of cholesterol called VLDL. Yeah, VLDL, <laughs> IDL. Like, come on, you like, yeah. come up with yeah. better names. Yeah, I know, I know. We just anatomists or health people just make, you know, they're old Latin names or whatever, and it's just no one speaks Latin or says Latin anymore. So it's like, for example, the muscle in the low back quadratus lumborum everyone everyone says ql everyone so it's yeah it's just i know too many acronyms why can't we just name things you know easier i agree man <laughs> i agree yeah but to change gears here now a little bit yeah. i know you played college sports specifically football mm -hmm. can you tell me your experiences with that like what did you learn from there what do you wish you could share with people coming up that were once in the same position that you were? Um, yeah, I played wide receiver for four years. Um, it was fantastic, man. Some of the best times of my life. It was, um, <clears throat> excuse me. You learn so much looking back on it and you don't even know you're in it, but when you come out of it, you learn so much. And it's not even not even learning football specific. It's about learning life. It's like you learn how to work as a team for a common goal, basically. And I played football and basketball. And football definitely taught me that. Basketball is more kind of individualized and I'm going to do it myself kind of thing, which is good. There's room for that in life. But just even, you break the tiniest, tiniest details down in football. You have a week, you plan, prepare, over-prepare, over-study. And, you know, I got to do my job, but, you know, what would I be if the quarterback didn't throw me the ball, you know? And then the offensive tackle didn't block for him. Or the other receiver didn't run the right route and get me open, you know? It's... uh it's like it's I relate it to like a cog and you're just one cog in the machine. You're it, the team is the machine and you are just one little cog in it. But if you mess up or your cog stops working, then, you know, the whole machine is going to have a problem. It's a good analogy. I like that a lot. I was, mm -hmm. was going to ask, like, what how, what would you relate to it in the your daily life? Like, What compares to being on a team like speaking to the importance of team sports um i would say i think the thing that i gained from playing sports and team sports is communication the most is it's about kind of communicating well and communicating effectively not necessarily in all these words Right in football, we have, you know, I could say freaking a letter and it mean a whole thing. That's not going to happen in life, but, you know, you can be very efficient with communication. And, and it taught me to listen very well because, you know, you need to react to the play. You listen to what you're going to do. You have to know what everyone else is, else is going to do. And yeah, it definitely taught me to plan as well. Like, Football, as you know, we once a week on Saturdays, we would play. So it gave you structure and planning. So on Sunday, you're going to rest, recover. On Monday, you're going to watch film and recover again. 
Tuesday, practice film, workout, strength workout usually. And you have to fit all this in with classes, okay? So it was, it was certainly tough, but it taught you to schedule and time manage and prepare with your boys, basically. What cheat code do you have for time management that you've picked up through balancing sports and school? I would say uh, work hard, be efficient. When you're doing something, do it. Don't just, you know, if you don't have to be there, you don't have to be there. The little things, they don't matter. It's about basically making a list for yourself or whatever in your head. It doesn't matter. Prioritizing what you want to get done that day, that week, overall in your whole life or whatever. And thinking of things that will help me get to that goal. So, you know, and you're going to have to cut out little things if you want to, like, be uber successful in a certain area or whatever you really want to do the most, then focus on that the most. Devote your most time to that. If I want to get really good grades, I would study my ass off. Really good straight A's. I would get, I would study, 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 basically. But I think, to me at least, it's I learn better when I've I worked out that morning. I took a nice cold shower, had a decent breakfast, had some fruit, prepared my lunch for the week. Um you know, stuff like that instead of just kind of coming home at nights, open up the books and doing whatever. It's about, you know, choosing what you want to do in life and choosing how you want to go through it. And don't even sweat the little stuff because it doesn't matter. Amen to that. Yes, sir. <laughs> Is your career with sports over now that you've, um, you're not never, a man. anymore? <laughs> no, the, the team sports are over and uh, hopefully – you know, I'm kind of manifesting this, but I live right next to the Fort San Francisco 49er Stadium. So, no, they ever see me? No, I'm just playing. I would love to work for them as a as a chiropractor um, or a professional team. So, in a sense, you could say no, but athletically, yes. I'm like I like we talked about last time. I kind of want to get into more half marathons, marathons, triathlons stuff like that, that I've never, you know, never really done rock climbing. Just yesterday, I went surfing mm. and stuff like that, you know, where it's still very, very, very fun. I love that stuff. It's just not much of a, you know, I'm not going to put the friggin pads on and go and go block a D end anymore. Those days are done. <laughs> Why not, man? You still got some life to you. Yeah, those. Yeah, those. It's just it's. I you know I definitely play basketball here and there and it's good it's just no no contact football it's I'm done with that. <laughs> you recently started your own podcast. What was the motivation for doing that? I did. I started about I think about a year ago, maybe a little bit more than that, but. The motivation was I I was in COVID, locked down. I was bored. I was living at home with my parents. <laughs> I was I was I didn't really talk to anyone except from like patients at work, coworkers, people at the gym, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to learn more about people's lives basically and kind of how they came to be what they are. What were you able to learn in this time of, so what, what episode number are you on? I'm on, I think yours was 15 or 16. So that's a good number under your belt. Now, what do you mm -hmm. think you were able to pick up in this time? Well, I realized that a lot of people, this may be kind of, simple but I, a lot of people have lots of different backgrounds and are interested in a real I would say you know basically experts in a lot of little things 
Um, and you can learn a lot from an expert in an hour. So, you know, I think it was just kind of a thirst for knowledge originally. But then, you know, I realized I was like, I can learn so much. Like our chat last weekend, I learned so much about artificial intelligence. And now I kind of have a sense of where it might go from, you know, you. And before I had no idea, right? So now when I see AI in life or kind of we get to a point where it's there, I'll reflect back on our conversation and be like, okay, well, what did he think that I was gonna that's gonna happen? And you know, is it bad or good or blah blah blah? So it teaches you a lot about life, honestly, I think. And it's really cool. You you mentioned this a little bit. It's really cool to see the different things that people are very knowledgeable on and their different their interests and all those different things. And you wouldn't really necessarily get to know the this about them unless you're having an extended conversation with them as a podcast does. Yeah, exactly. Like small is it's not small talk. That's not what I mean. It's it's deep talk about their interests, you know, passions and stuff like that. It's really cool. Also, I've noticed it has allowed me to become a better speaker. Now I wouldn't say that I'm a good speaker right now, but I've never really heard myself speaking without a script and that is exactly what a podcast is i'm just speaking normally i'm sure you could probably add to this of like re-listening to your recordings and just picking apart different tendencies that you have really opened my eyes to the skill of speaking yeah totally i didn't really know i said like all the time like this like that i still do a little bit it's just a little california in me now but uh yeah you notice it and i used the same thing i used to hate my voice listening to my own voice i used to think i i didn't like it like i didn't like the sound of it um but definitely podcasting has helped with being comfortable talking to you know a, a stranger basically sometimes and it and it's helped with public speaking right like in class we you know we had presentations and stuff and it's no big deal honestly once you just you know it's just a conversation it's that's all i think it's just it's no big deal it's like you would have with your buddies or whatever just be you and talk you know and it really allows you to network with people like i've i've mentioned this many times to my friends if I go to a, a speech and there's some really cool speaker, if I th like if I want to get to know him, there's two possibilities I could do. I could go up to him and be like, "Hey man, I think you're pretty cool. You want to I want to get to know you. You want to grab some food?" Like, yeah, that could possibly work or it could possibly not. But then if you have a podcast, like, "Hey man, uh, I think you're really cool. You want to be my podcast? I'd love to get to know you. I'd love to share with you with the world." Like to them, that is just a pure compliment. They're like, oh my God, you think I'm interesting? Wow, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I know. it really opens the doors to many different interactions. Yeah, people are selfish. They want to be on podcasts. They want to put themselves out there. It's just how it is, you know? <laughs> no, it really is. It's just <laughs> so, a pure egotistical pursuit. Yeah, it's, it's a mutualistic relationship. It's, I get to learn about, you know, people with, different backgrounds or people with different expertise and you get publicity and you get to talk about yourself <laughs> when you come on. So it's like, it's a win-win, you know? Yeah, what more can you ask for? Exactly. To change gears a little bit, yeah. what advice would you give to yourself if you could go back in time four years? Wow. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, hmm. I would say probably just huh don't I would say probably don't sweat the small stuff, you know, it just like it doesn't I can't even, you know, you can't even you look back and you try to remember you know the day-to-day -day small stuff that would, you know, piss you off or make you sad or whatever, but 
it you can't even remember it it doesn't matter so i would say yeah don't sweat the small stuff and don't be afraid to speak up i would say would be another thing because you learn more if you just kind of well at least i do is i learn more if i just go for it instead of you know being a little too passive sometimes and waiting for you know opportunities or stuff to pop up in front of me you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, don't sweat the small or don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day, like back in high school, I was so concerned with, oh, I need to do this assignment. Oh, I need to do well in this test. Like, yeah, it's good to do well on these things, but it really isn't impacting your future all that much. Same thing with part-time jobs. Like, oh, I need to show up to work on time. I need to perform well in front of my manager so they know I'm a good worker. Mm-hmm. Like these things really have no impact on your future self. So you shouldn't really be too concerned with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All it is, is, is building habits and just building good habits. And, you know, once you're kind of smart enough to know where to like, know which areas in your life where you want to devote, you know, your real, all your energy, and then you'll have other moments in your, you know, parts of your life where you don't have to devote you know, 100% of your life and you kind of chill out a little bit. And yeah, you don't need to go hard all the time. It's not, uh, it's not a race, you know, <laughs> but what? yeah, oh. no, I, uh, I was the same way in height, you know, you know, it, it's, you have goals in your life. You should never let anyone else affect those goals basically. And you see it here in grad school is people are really, really competitive and i'm sure even with in your program at asu really really competitive and it's you know it's fair yeah i'm competitive as well but you know at the end of the day it doesn't matter what so-and-so got it matters you know what you got and working those shitty pizza freaking jobs my first job was at a pizza spot it sucked but it, it you know it teaches you a little bit of life and you know there's adults out there who you know have to do that to live and you know i I certainly don't want to be one of those people so you know it you know it can drive you a little bit which is good but what uh what books have made the most impact on you oh great question um Uh, Pound the Stone, I read it during COVID, is a great, great book to read. I forget who it's by. Um, I have what other books? A Wealthy Barber is a classic one that a lot of people know about. That one has been as great. Um, uh, what other books? I'm reading this book about gut right now. It's called Gut by Julie Enders, which is a great book as well. Um, I like knowledge books, you know, uh, nonfiction, real things that will teach you a story or whatever. You know, I'm reading a, a few books right now, but one's by actually written by the or someone. It's about the Dalai Lama. And, you know, it's just it's it opens books open your mind about you know again different perspectives on life different things you can do in life you know stuff like that and they'll they'll, they can teach you a lesson you know basically it's just a it's a long really deep introspective lesson you know sometimes you know you want to put the book down but usually i finish them but no reading is great try and read i try and read uh almost every night before bed it's a way to do it yeah some actual like actual book not a freaking textbook you know (laughs) actual novel like it's good to dissociate and dive deep and it puts you puts me right to sleep so it's good and finally yeah what is the meaning of life to you nice very deep question the meaning of life to me is to 
there's two two main things is one enjoy it have fun and two is better the next generation would be the next main one is we're humans right we all we're the same species we want you know our kids and people younger than us to be better than we were right it's just natural evolution so yeah pass down things you know don't don't ever be don't ever withhold information from you know young kid or blah 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 anything will help them and you know they'll take the world into the you know the next steps where we all know the starting point and the end point for you know all of us so it's what you can do between that time to help people out help out the next generation especially and you know have fun that's all have fun yes sir yeah do do things that make you happy Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well spencer thank you very much for coming on here man it was definitely a pleasure thanks ethan i appreciate you good luck with the podcast i know you'll be great so yeah we need more people like you starting podcasts starting side things exploring the real you know the real passions Hmm. um but yeah great step man thank you thank you i really appreciate that definitely the same goes to you yes sir before we go our separate ways i want to share a quote by andre guide man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore if you like this podcast please give my channel five stars on your preferred podcasting platform thank you for tuning in and until next time